He is faithful. He is faithful. Look to his other neighbor and say, true. True. You're true. Elevate! Elevate! Elevado! Elevado! Que, que? Que, que? Elevado! Urban Heightman? Us, us! Us, us! And that's Herbin, right? Oh, my bad. I'm not German, but I'm learning, right? Herbin? Us, us! Us, us! What's that other language? Hey, no. This what? This what? No. No, no, hey, stop it. What, what was that language that we learned? <laughs> Korean. Or what was the Korean one? Orilad? Okay. So I'm going to say Orilad? What? What? Orilad? What? What? Orilad? What? What? Man, come on. Represent all nations up in this place. Any Korean people here? All right. One day. Anybody that's kind of Asian here? There you go. Where's Lawrence? Where, where's Josie? There you go. What are you guys again? Filipino. Come on. From the Philippines to California to Chicago. God is good. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So last week, we ended our service series. We're beginning a new service series this week. Can everybody say the fall? Oh. Really epic, the fall. You gotta say it real epic, like the fall. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting it. You're getting it. Anybody ever seen those black and white movies where like there's a there's like like a guy and he's walking and he looks all mysterious and then there's a lady she's clutching her purse and all of a sudden it just zooms up on her face. She turns around. She's like, ah. Anybody ever seen those movies? Okay, those are those are those are dramatic movies, right? Anybody seen a novella? Yes. Those are dramatic, right? Yep. Then the mundo. Anybody ever seen a soap opera for for my Latino folks? Yep. A soap yeah. opera. Yep. Has anybody ever seen a play? Maybe you go to school and you see a play. They get real dramatic. That'll be good. Now, here's the thing, right? This sermon series, we're going over the fall, and one thing we're going to talk about is the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible. Because the story of the Bible is a divine drama. Everybody say divine. Everybody say drama. Now, I don't mean about drama like that girl who gossips all the time, second period or third period. I don't mean that type of drama. I don't mean that dude who's always trying to talk to everybody's girl. I don't mean that type of drama, okay? I don't mean that type of drama. Anybody ever been to drama club? Anybody heard of that? Yeah. That's just for acting. It's for acting, Lord, right? And acting has to do with stories. <laughs> So the Bible is a divine story, and the reason, uh, and uh, the divine story can be summed up like this, okay? It's connected perfectly together, it's thousands of years, but the Bible is a divine story about God convincing men to trust Him. God convincing men to trust Him. And I was thinking long and hard about that, just about what connects each part of the Bible, right? Mm. And you see God always reaching out, always being faithful, always warning people, always rebuking people, always yep. punishing people. But the end result that he's always trying to get across is it's not that he hates people. It's not that he wants to worship people. It's not even that he wants people to go to hell. It's not even about like them in a sense. He's trying just to convince them to trust him. Come on. 
And you see this throughout the Bible. God, in the story, wow. is trying to convince all of mankind wow. to trust him. That's so good. So this is the story we're going to talk about. Now, understand that the Bible itself is 43% narrative. Everybody say narrative. Narrative. So, you know, whenever you're, you're, you're hearing a story, right? Everybody ever heard of Morgan Freeman? Man, if you yeah. can just get Morgan Freeman's voice, man. Just, can, you, can you find Morgan Freeman's no, voice? No, Morgan Freeman has one of the best narrating voices. He tells stories. That's what he does. And they hire him and everything. He's just like, whoa. Then forget it. You know, he has this deep voice. It's so calming. He's a narrator. He's telling a story. In the Bible, 43% of the time, is telling you a story. Now, stories, what is, what's the point of stories? How many of you know that one friend that just loves to tell stories? That's my wife. My wife, once she gets in a story, like you actually feel like you're there. Like she does people's voices. She talks, she literally almost like, it, it, she puts you there in the story. Right, babe? I don't know what the voice Yeah, you do. You do. You don't even realize it. But you know, sometimes we got that friend, right? Like he's like, hey, bro, you ain't gonna believe what happened. And he's like, man, I was. I was at school. I was in first period, man. All of a sudden, boom, boom, shoot, shoot, you know? Snap, snap, you know? And he's making all these sound effects. He's, he's really in the story. He, uh, so when we think about memories, we tell the story. Sometimes, right, when you're caught up, like I know uh, as a teacher, sometimes I'll catch people doing stuff they shouldn't do. And then they tell me a story. And they're like, especially little kids, they'll be like, well, see, this is really what happened. You know, I woke up. And I went over here, and then, you know, I slipped and I fell. But then this person laughed at me, but then I didn't like his laugh. So what I did, and he tells me a story. Why is he telling me a story? Because he wants me to understand what truth, what, what the truth that happened. Oh, is that Morgan Freeman's voice? You install the clapper? No, what? Catching things, isn't it? That's not Morgan Freeman's voice. Morgan Freeman had what? The narrator, the narrator. Up his sleeves, either, son. People underestimate the benefit of good old manual labor. Some of the happiest people in the world go home smelling the high heaven at the end of the day. That's his voice, and he's good at narrating stories. She put like a like Lawrence and the Keys and Morgan Freeman. Come on, put that in the Bible app. Let's go. All right. Now, stories. What do they communicate? They communicate truth. So a lot of times these kids are trying to communicate the truth of what happened. Sometimes they're meant to entertain. They're meant to, to entertain. Sometimes when we look at stories, they're just entertaining. It doesn't matter if they're true. They're just entertaining. And we want to hear them. We want to know about the characters. We want to know about the emotions. We want to know about the ending. You know, I don't know if you guys ever binge shows, but the reason why you want to binge the show is because of the story. Because of the stories. Because of what's happening. You want to see, even, even, even if you watch reality TV like Bachelor or something or or I don't know what I'm going to show. There's a story. There's a story. So the Bible has a story, and this is communicated to us as men. Now the Bible, this story, just like many other stories, it has a beginning. It has a beginning. This story, like other stories, it has a setting, but the setting is perfect. Because we're going to talk about the beginning. And then it has moments of despair and moments of hope. Can everybody say despair? Yeah. Can everybody say hope? Two opposite things, but the Bible is full of these moments. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Anybody ever 
Was anybody ever like, you know, watching Disney movies once upon a time? Or what about this one? In a galaxy long, in a galaxy far, far away. Wait, in a galaxy far, far away. How does it go? Genesis 1 1. No, watch this out. There you go. There's a long time ago. Yeah, well, you get it, right? There's this beginning to each story. And you see the Bible, it's been doing this forever. I mean, it was doing that for more than a millennium. And it's saying, in the beginning. So when we look at in the beginning, we're seeing that there's this start of everything. And this is the start of the universe, the galaxy, the story of the galaxy, the universe, all that exists. God is starting it right now. And we're introduced only to one character in this chapter. Well, really one character. The other characters come later. And this character is God. You see, God... When we read, right, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We see that God creates this, this area, right, this unfinished place. But he doesn't create this unfinished place to leave it unfinished. You see, God, you see that he's, he's a creative being. He's a, he's a thoughtful being because he takes a day, each day, to create something new. You see, he starts off with the light. After he goes to the light, he goes to the stars and the sun. And he's meticulous. He's careful. He's patient. You see, God is thoughtful. He creates the trees, the skies, everything to govern the day, to govern the night. And he's thinking about it. He does this in six days. When he gets to mankind, he rushes the next day, the seventh day. You see, God is a creator. He's the creator. But he's not a creator that's, that's unemotional or or unsympathetic with what he's creating, but what does he say every time he creates something? He notices how good it is, how well it works, how well it fits. So you see, God is a good creator. We're learning the story that the truth of God is that he's a good creator. That he creates good things. Come on. Now, when we understand the story, we understand that God is making the story move. He's the one that's pushing it along. So we see that God is the character. However, he's the inspiration for the author. That the author is following along a certain inspiration. And it's God. Wow. So God is the inspiration and the author. We see that out of the darkness, out of the formless <coughs> and emptiness that was the universe, God creates life. Mm. And not just any type of life, good life. Amen. Good life. So we're introduced in this story to God. The main character. Understand that this story of the Bible is not just, it's not about these heroes. It's not about anybody else, but really about God. Because in all the Bible, there's one common denominator, and that is this God. Come on. This God who was there in the beginning. So going along. God creates this world, makes it good, but he puts a garden in this world, a specific place that is perfect, that is grown. There's shrubs, there's vegetables, there's everything you can eat and possibly want. It's the perfect setting. So in the beginning, right, God creates this perfect setting. That's, that's something to keep in mind, right? And I, I have some pictures. Just say, uh, you know, they're not fully naked. So, 
Don't need to cover your eyes, church kids. All right? Don't worry. Just kidding. Just forgive me. Moving on. All right. So you see, there's this beautiful place. There's peace. There's harmony. Right? There's harmony. There's joy. And, and it's this garden. This garden is called Eden. Everybody say Eden. 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 Now, Eden means pleasure. See, God creates this place of pleasure. And who does he create it for? Well, when we get to, uh, we go to Genesis chapter 2.15, God creates mankind. And he creates mankind in his image. And mankind only has really one purpose. And that's to be fruitful, to multiply, and to tend the garden, to take care of it. To grow it. To grow the Garden of Eden to all of creation. See, what God did was he created this world and he made another character. And this character was going to take care of the world. As a matter of fact, rule the world. It had authority. This character, mankind, was able to do whatever it needed. Well, was able to do whatever, really. I mean, if, it was, if the mankind was hungry, all he had to do was reach for the tree and grab an apple. All you had to do to grow trees and grow vegetation and all these things, it was easy. There was no toil. It wasn't hard work. Just plants, water, and things grow. Things happen in this garden. Work was enjoyable. Work wasn't hard. And you see, not only did God love mankind so much, they gave him this garden, this perfect setting, this perfect place to live and to enjoy God's presence with him. But he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a helper. And what was the helper supposed to do? Help. The helper was going to help the man, and this was a woman, the woman was going to help man spread all of mankind around the world with the Garden of Eden. And it was going to be easy. It was going to be a joy. It was going to be something wow. that gave them pleasure. Mm. Now, mankind was only given one, was only entrusted to do, uh, to not do one thing. One thing. They could eat from everywhere. Everywhere. You're hungry. Go ahead. Man, they probably ate, not even out of hunger, but just because of the taste. They probably drank water just to be refreshed. Just to feel the refreshing, but they weren't really thirsty. See, in this garden, there was nothing but pleasure. And they were only entrusted not to do one thing, and that was to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had everything. They had God's presence, you see, because... Where it says that this character God rested, that means he literally rested in the seventh day. That means God was in this garden. The main character that created everything was with mankind. Wow. In the garden of pleasure, everything they needed, everything they wanted was there. Now, what did mankind do? Tell us. What did mankind do? Well, they ate, they drank. They enjoyed this garden. However, right, when we get to Genesis 3, if you can go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, now every good story needs a villain. Every good story needs an antagonist. Every good story needs an issue, a problem. Needs a problem. How many of you like when the, the good guy wins the story? Some of us may be like, I like when the bad guy wins. It creates more like craziness or whatever. Well, here's the thing, but there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. There's good and there's evil. So we're introduced right here to someone evil. It's the villain in the story. It's the one that wants to take things away, right? Oh. 
Now, here's the thing. This villain is called a serpent, right? But later on in the story, we find out that he's no ordinary serpent. He's not just like that dude from, uh, what's that movie, Jungle Book? He's not that, he's not that, what, what's that serpent, what's that snake's name? Cobra? No. That's his name? Cobra? Is it, his name is Cobra from? Cobra. And his name is Cobra. Very creative. Okay, so, so, it's not Cobra uh, talking to uh, the man cub, you know, saying, hey man, listen bro, I'm just trying to get you, right? No, that's, that's, I mean, in a sense, that's not what he's trying to do. But he's, see, this serpent fell from heaven. Before the fall of these characters, mankind, there's a, there's a little sneak peek, there's a, another fall. This serpent fell from heaven. And this serpent was made by the creator. However, this character wanted what the creator had. Come on. And that was power, authority, and rule. You see, but he found out that he couldn't take it from the creator. He didn't, he wasn't strong enough. He wasn't deceptive enough. So who had the next amount of authority and power? It was mankind. So he sought them. He saw mankind and he devised a plan. And that was to trick them. To trick them to give up their power and authority, their rule over this garden. You see, that's what the serpent wanted. That's what the enemy wanted. So, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So, what does the woman do? She begins to listen. She begins to try to reason with the serpent. Reason with this deceiver. Now, we have to understand that what does this deceiver do, Right? He gets them to question the heart and the intent of the creator. The one who was so meticulously involved in this whole thing. The one who took time day after day creating everything, making sure that mankind had all that they needed. He made them question his intent. He made mankind question the intent of the creator. He got them to think that there was something that they didn't have, that God was holding out on, that they could have right now. Now with the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil. You see, if we rewind back to when God warned them about eating from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, he says, if you eat from this tree, surely you will die. Everybody say die. Understand that mankind didn't understand what even death was. Think about that. All they had been in the garden of Eden was life. Life, abundance. Death was probably something so abstract, something so unreal, it wasn't even a reality to them. So when they hear that the serpent is saying, you won't die, you'll actually be like him. They heard that and it sounded enticing to them. It sounded enticing to them. And it made them feel like they didn't have the image. You see, because this creator made him, made the mankind in their image, mankind in his image, gave him all that he needed, authority and rule over everything. What Satan was doing, what the serpent was doing, was making them think he did it. It was a lie. It was a deception. All to get them to give up what they were given. Now, what does mankind do? Chooses not to trust in God. Okay, what's the theme of the Bible? What did I say the theme of one of the things of the Bible is that man is convincing. God's convincing man to trust in him. So instead of trusting in what God said, 
Mankind chose to listen to the serpent and ate from the tree. Ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The woman ate first. The man was the first one to get the commandment, but yet he ate from it as well, listening to his helper. Both of them, right, their eyes were open. You see, because in the garden, there was no shame. There was no guilt. There was none of that. But once they ate of the tree, they had knowledge. They knew what guilt was. They knew what shame was. They knew what was good. They knew what was bad. They knew that they were no longer good. Because what did God do most so meticulously in these six days? He created everything good. The knowledge now came to them that they were no longer good. They were no longer doing what they were created to do. And what mankind was created to do was trust in him. Trust in God. They were no longer good. They were bad. And they knew that. And they ran from God. And they hid from God. Shame and guilt was there. But where was the serpent? You see, the serpent tricked them, but he did not relieve them. The serpent tricked them, but he didn't reassure them. You see, and that's what the serpent does. He's crafty. So he, he tries to slither away in this garden. But God finds them. This is the first moment. Now God, right? God is angry. God is, God is questioning his creation. And he's saying, well, what is wrong? What are you doing? Who told you you were naked? Who told you about the shame and the guilt? And instead of taking accountability, this is what we see, right? This is the pattern. This is the pattern of mankind that their children have now. They don't trust in God, and they blame everyone else. So the man blamed the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. God cursed them all. And this is where we find out that there's despair in the story, that there's a curse in the story, that there's a looming feeling of death in this story everywhere people go, everywhere mankind goes. And it's because they know good and they know evil and they know deep down in their hearts that they're evil. And that God has now seen that and he has cursed this land. So it says if we go to Genesis 3, chapter 16, uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 24, So remember, in the six days, God is showing himself to be a good creator. And everything he's given mankind is good so far. But yet now we see in the story that God is giving them something that is not good. God is giving them a curse. Because they're evil. And in this land that is good, he does not want evil. So he curses them. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. If, uh, if we can go up, actually. Sorry. Couple verses. A little bit more. So, after the woman blamed the serpent, the Lord looks to the serpent and he says, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Mm. Who and the woman? You. you. The serpent. The serpent in the woman. Because the you, he's talking to the serpent. He's not talking to the man. He's talking to the serpent. So the serpent and the woman are going to be at odds. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head. So whose offspring is going to crush you? The story is saying that the offspring of the woman, the seed of the woman. Remember, 
They're going to be fruitful and multiply. They're going to still continue this. The story is still going forward, but there's going to be someone that comes from the woman that is going to crush the head of the serpent. But the serpent will strike his heel. That's the curse for the serpent. Remember that. Now we go to the woman. Now what was supposed to be a promise, was what was supposed to be easy, when the Lord created mankind, he said, be fruitful, multiply. Mm. That means have children. Come that means on. have families. That means make a nation, rule, or have authority. This was supposed to be easy. I believe that we were going to have childbirth even before the fall. And it was going to be easy. And it was going to happen like it was nothing. But now what was a promise has now become a curse. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Wow. And painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. You see what the woman tried to do to the man in, in taking away his decision, right, to rule over him and making him decide to eat the, the, the fruit. Now that's become a curse. At first, she was a helper. Now she's no longer a helper. She's, a, she's basically a slave. That's what it's making it seem like this curse is. And when we look at humanity, that is the pattern of mankind. Wow. Woman being treated unfairly. Woman given no rights. Woman given no voice. Woman treated wrongly. Why? The struggle. Women, this was their curse. Right. Women, this was their struggle. Curse. It's crazy, but you see that in mankind. Women were cursed with this curse. I mean, think about before technology, how many women could not give birth? How many people died? Mm. They couldn't give birth. It was painful. They had no medicine. Mm. He had to do it without any anesthesia. Nothing, nothing, no, none of that. None of that. Tragic. So Ooh. now we go to Adam. And he's cursed because he listened to his wife. Not that it's wrong to listen to your wife. I'll listen to my wife if she's right. Amen. If you're wrong, I'm listening to her, though. I ain't that fruit. Because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I, which I commanded you. Because listen. Mankind, Adam, was trusted first. He was trusted first, so he gets, honestly, just as equal of a curse. He says, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it, food from it all the days of your life. What was easy, the planting in the garden, that was easy for him. Mm. He never had a toil a single day in the garden. No sweat coming from his brow. Easy. If he was hungry, plant water, he would probably grow in moments. Oh, thirsty, he just had to drink. He wasn't even thirsty, he would just drink. But now he's getting the struggle, the strife, this toil. And it and now the ground is cursed itself. Mm. The ground isn't easy anymore. It's not it's not wow. with. It's it's hard. There's thorns, there's thistles. For you, you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat the food. And so you return to the ground since. From it you were taken, from dust you are, and dust you'll return. Wow. Come See, on. mankind now is doomed wow. because of this curse. We have to understand that this right here is a curse not from the devil, but from God, the main character. And this is the first thing bad that he's given. Wow, that's good. That's so Adam, good. who was created from the dust, was supposed to be separate from all of creation. Distinct, holy from all of creation. But now God is saying, you're just like everything else. Wow. You're cursed. You're cursed. You're a part of this curse now. 
We find out that God now has to clothe them because they're naked. And he cares for them and kicks them out of the garden and doesn't allow them back. For sacrifice. Do you see the despair in the story? Do you see the turn in the story of how there is this perfect setting? setting. God, the creator who was thoughtfully creating everything, knitting things together, stitching things together, yet we fell. There was a fall. But if we can go back uh, to verse uh, six, uh, verse 12, please. Verse 12, I think it's 12. Go down a little bit more, verse 13, or verse 14. Right there, we go down 15, sorry. See, when they look back at the garden, I honestly think this, when they look back at the garden, they remember these curses. And I tell you that Eve remembered this, that one day her seed would crush the serpent's head. Yeah, Lawrence, if you come to the keys, please, and I can have the altar workers up. Where's the altar You see, Eve looks back, and she sees that the, 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 you know, the Garden of Eden is being guarded. It's being taken away from them, this place, this perfect setting, where they were supposed to spread to all creation their purpose. Think about this. Their purpose of living was completely taken from them. This is worse than getting a bad grade. This is worse than, than losing your career. This is worse than losing anything. This is losing your purpose. Yet she's thinking back to what God said he, to the serpent and how her seed would crush his head. Lamar. And what's her seed? What's her offspring? It's her children. Wow. So why do you think she continues? Even though there's this curse upon her that if she gives birth, she's gonna it's gonna struggle. It's gonna it's gonna be painful. But she remembers the seed, the hope. She remembers that if I give birth to this seed, there's a there's hope for us to return. And this is why I want to help you guys understand that in this story, I want to fast forward thousands of years now. Her seed is Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ comes, born of a virgin, Mary. And what he does now is he lives this sinless life. You see, he encounters that same serpent in the garden. And instead of saying, I'm going to eat from what you give me and what you offer me, what does he do? He's not like mankind that ate from the garden, ate from that tree. He rejects the serpent. And what does he do? He chooses to trust in his father. You see, Jesus now has included mankind in his obedience. Yeah, yeah, he saw that now that you're good and evil that the serpent was giving him, and what did he do? He decided to trust this good God, his Father. So now, everyone, all the seed, right, the seed of Christ, we get to partake in the pleasures of Christ. That means rest. That means joy. That means peace. We get to experience a, a eternal, right, a spiritual eating on earth. And so another eating comes, a better eating comes when Christ returns. When Jesus died, he took on the sin that Eve and Adam, that mankind had done. So all the sin that mankind had done, he takes it on himself. He takes the guilt. They were busy blaming themselves, but now Christ says, blame me. Give me the blame. To give me that punishment. He dies. The death that mankind is supposed to experience from dust to dust, you will return. Christ dies. He goes to dust. But he doesn't see that he rises on the third day. 
Well, because I thought that you knew, like, what you're supposed to put in attendance for life. I don't know what they have in under. I don't want to create another profile. We're in the story of mankind being convinced to trust in God. If everyone can stand up, please. This is what we need to understand. The stories are teaching us truth. We're learning about God, how he's this good creator. He's not the separate creator. But matter of fact, he chose to be with his creation. You learn that he was thoughtful. He was meticulous. He had this perfect setting. Man was supposed to rule it and have authority. But man gave it up to the serpent. And now we're despair. So we're understanding these truths. We're understanding, okay, you know, a lot of people, I get this question, like, you know, why? why is there so much poverty? Why is there so much sickness? Why is there all these things? And I tell them two things. One, who still has authority on this world? Think about it. Do you ever see dogs barking at humans telling them to, to do whatever they say? Pick up my poop. Like, you ever see a dog just run up to you and be like, give me your money? <laughs> Funny. You ever see an elephant <laughs> riding a giraffe or a giraffe riding an elephant? You ever see domination in the feet in the animal kingdom over humans? You ever see politics and, and nations rise up in, in animals? You ever see a human all of a sudden giving their money to an ape to do taxes? There's still an authority here on this earth. That's good though. That's right. We're still eating of the land. And Come it's on. Hard. We're still giving birth, and it's hard. We still have rule over animals, but, you know, they don't really like us, to be honest. So you see that the story is continuing, and there's despair, there's death, there's diseases, there's poverty, there's racism, there's injustices, there's corrupt politicians, there's lying organizations, there's all these things. However, we know the hope now. We know the hope of glory is Jesus, the same that was promised to us. So here's some things you can understand from this story. Truths that you can apply to your life. One, you listen to God's word. You listen to God's word. When, when Eve was listening to the serpent, she stopped listening to God's word. And the, and the enemy is the same today as he was the other day. He does the same tricks. He doesn't do anything new. We're aware of the devil's scheme. This is how he gets you to sin. He tells you you're missing out on something. He tells you, listen, there's better for you. Maybe he'll tell you this God thing isn't working. And you say, I have something better than I have something that will make you smarter. I'll have something that will make you more mature, make you more popular, make you happier. Will you take heed of it? And you'll say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. That God says not to do that. God says not to have sex outside of marriage. God says not to lie. God says not to steal. God says not to be addicted to Did you really say that? Did you really say not to do this thing? Do you really think God is speaking to you when he says that? Do you really think God's word is really accurate? Do you really think that's true? No, you listen to what God says and you trust in what he says. Listen and trust. And while you do that, don't listen to the enemy, the serpent, or anyone who becomes a mouthpiece for him. As we find out later in the story that the serpent speaks through many people now, his offspring. That there's children of the serpent. 
And they want the same goal that the serpent wants. We have to make sure we listen to God. Trust in what he says. Don't listen to the serpent or his offspring. For the altar call is simple. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes, listen. If you guys see yourself in the story and you're similar to Adam and Eve, where you get tempted by the devil and you listen to what he says, you forget exactly what God says. And this becomes a pattern in your life. If you're in a pattern of sin, where it's constantly the same thing over and over, you know what the devil, you know what God says, but you choose not to listen. You choose not to trust. Listen, this all too for you. You need to come up. You need to receive salvation because what Jesus does is that he changes us. He gives us the power to say no. He gives us the power to obey. He gives us this thing called, well, this person called the Holy Spirit, who is God, who was there in the beginning, hovering over the waters, that helps us to navigate through life, to choose God and not choose the enemy. So if you ever want to bow their heads and close their eyes, as Lawrence begins to sing, I want you to pray. I want you to seek the Lord. Are you like Adam and Eve? 